Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Ladea. Awesome. I'm excited today, guys. Roel, <laughs> champion. <laughs> wow. So good to see you today, Roel. Oh, so for those who don't know, Roel and Sharon and their family moved to Canada a few months ago. And um, so Roel's here from time to time. It's good to see you, my friend. Wow, you traveled all this way to listen to me. Oh, what, a, what a privilege. <laughs> it's great. I'm excited today. I've got a real sense of excitement in my spirit today about this message. Can you guys take me down a little bit? I think I'm a bit loud. Might uh, burst some eardrums. But um, yeah, so I'm really excited about this uh, this series that we're in called Together, right? So doing church together. Uh, A lot of us have been in the uh, alternative weeks and connect groups, just experiencing what it means to to do life together, right? To do church together. And and again, I think, yeah, sometimes we are challenged, right? By this, this concept that we're in like, oh, we're not in church every Sunday. But no, guys, church is doing church together no matter the context, right? If it's in a small group or a large group, wherever Christ is, wherever the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit is, that's where church happens. And so I'm so excited about the series that we're in right now, doing church together and this new model that we're busy pioneering, I think, within Scandinavia and probably Europe, because I think there's such a, such a depth that's been created, the discussions that we have, the questions that we have, uh, I, for me, it's just so awesome to be in, uh, in the series that we're in right now, and I'm, I'm so excited. So we've been hearing from Pastor Quinton, uh, from Justin, uh, from Lade. I'm just going to get my timer started over 30 minutes. Uh, last week as well, to really encourage. She was encouraged by her message last week. I was so encouraged. Thank you, Lade. It was awesome. Really uh, amazing. So I'm going to start my message today. Uh, sorry, I introduced myself for those who don't know me. So some new people, welcome, guys. Really good to have you guys here. For those who are online, welcome. So my name is Pastor Matthew Furry, and I am the, pa- the operations pastor. Do you guys see that transition, how quick that was? That was amazing. Uh, so I'm the operations pastor, and uh, so I've been with this church for the last 12 years and serving with Pastor Quinton and Susan. I'm going to start this message today with a story, uh, and it's about a plant, a story about a plant, all right? So uh, the title of my message is Growing Together, a Holy Discontent. Growing Together, a Holy Discontent. So uh, many of us have this plant in our house. It's quite a trendy plant. You might find it on a kitchen table or some counter. It's called the Chinese money plant, right? It's got these round leaves. So I want to show a photo of uh, Eric's plant. Um, you'll see there's Eric's plant over there. This is Eric's Chinese money plant, all right? So as you can see, it's flourishing. It's doing well. It's probably in the right size pot. You can see the sun is beaming on it, and it's growing. It's just like, man, I've been to Eric's apartment a few times, and it feels like it's the Amazon jungle as you walk in there, you know? So if all the trees had to die in this world, and you had to, to be in Eric's apartment, you'd be okay. Enough oxygen, you'll be okay, really. There's, it's amazing. And he's got this plant front and center on his coffee table, and it looks great. It really just catches your attention, right? We've got this plant in our house as well, too. So here's Christelle's plant. Yeah. Um, so, so as you can see, there's a kind of a difference, right, between 
Eric's beautiful, flourishing Chinese money plant and Christelle's Chinese money plant. All right, so there's a bit of a difference. As you can see, yeah, it is in the sun, but I, I tell you, I've, I've placed it in the sun because it doesn't find itself in the sun too often. As you can see, it's probably in the wrong size pot. Uh, it's, yeah, I think you can see the ground is quite moist as well too. I, th I think there's probably just in too much water. And so, so as plants grow, they require some things to grow, all right? So as you can see, Eric's plant flourishing, Christelle's plant not. So these plants, these plants require sunshine, uh, they require love and care, they need soil, they need nutrients in the soil, they need water. Um, in this case, I think crystals gets too much, some plants get too little, and so they don't survive. And apparently Christelle claims that her plant has got a disease. I don't, I don't know. Do you guys think that one's got a disease? No? I don't know. I don't know about that. But that's, that's, that's apparently her her claim that her plant's not doing so well, so and why hers is not growing. It's planted in soil, it's in the right pot, right pot apparently, but there's a bit of a growth problem, all right, so compared to Eric's plant. And so I'm going to be talking today, guys, about growth, right, finding yourself in an environment where you thrive and where you grow and growing together, right? So a plant needs an environment to be able to grow, and so, so do we. All right, great. So before I get into this, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you this morning, and I want to bring your congregation to you, and I thank you for these beautiful people before me, Father. I want to pray, Lord, as, as Ladea said, that ears will be opened, Father, to the words that are spoken from my mouth today. I pray, Lord, that you will season my words with salt, Father, that, it will be, that people will be receptive to every word spoken, that the words will be stitched and tattooed to hearts this morning, Father. I pray, Lord, for transformed minds and transformed hearts I pray this all right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone next to you and say, green plant. Green plant. All right. Growth. All right. Exciting. All right. I loved, I loved the day's question last week in a, in a sermon, and really it, it had some re excellent discussions, and I know there was a lot of feedback uh, from the different connect groups on this topic. And the question is, why do we follow Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? It was a, an awesome question because there was many yeah, reflections and comments coming from people. And they said, oh, we've never, we've never thought about that before. Um, some said, I've never had the question asked of me before, why do I follow Jesus? And so I think this was, this was a, I think it's a fundamental question in our faith, why we follow Jesus. And so it, it, it really, we had some awesome discussions. And so, you know, talking about following Jesus... Uh, at the Sea of Galilee, Jesus was there with his disciples and a crowd gathered, so much so that he, pushed, uh, he was pushed off in a boat uh, a couple of meters off of the shore so that he could speak to the crowd, right? And he was about to give them an amazing uh, explanation of different types of people, right? So if you turn with me now in your Bible to Luke 8, verses 11 to 15. So I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So it is the parable of the sower, parable of the sower. Okay, so Jesus speaks about four different types of people, uh, and, he, and he goes on to explain that uh, there's a farmer that sows seed along the path, and birds come and eat it. Uh, the second type of person he refers to as a person who um, is, uh, where, where seeds are sown amongst the rocky ground, 
right? So there's shallow ground. Uh, the third type is where uh, seeds, uh, like grain, is sowed between weeds. And the fourth type is uh, a person where uh, seeds are sown into ripe, fertile ground. Okay, so let's just read that. I did explain it now, but I want to make sure we get the text right. This is the meaning of the parable. It explains, a seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from them, um, from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they, be, they believe for a while, then fall away when, face tempt, when facing temptation. The, feeds, the seeds that fell among the thorns representing those who hear the message but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. They patiently produce a huge harvest. So guys, growth needs to, is, is deliberate. Right? So there, there's, a, there's a deliberate act around growth in your life. So in order to see growth, right? so in order for Christelle's plant to see growth, it needs water, it needs sunshine, it needs fertile ground where nutrients can be sucked in order for it to grow. So growth requires intentionality. You know, in order to be able to grow into your God-given design that God has made you to be, there's an intentionality required for you to allow fertile soil to be in your heart and be in your lives. Weeds come by default and plant themselves in your heart. Who's grown weeds lately in their garden? Okay, I'm a bit surprised. <laughs> because weeds grow by default. You don't have to plant them. They come by themselves. There's an effort required, though, to remove them in order for whatever you've planted in that place for it to grow. Right? So there's an effort required in order for growth to happen. It doesn't happen by default. So growth requires intentionality. So weeds by default will grow in your lives and it will choke out the good habits that you're trying to germinate in your life. The good habits, they will choke out every good habit that you're trying to create in your life. The pleasures of this life, the distractions in this life, the things that keep you away from the, from the Word, the things that keep you away from church, the things that keep you away, away from connect group and being in fellowship with people. These desires, these things are going are gonna to distract you, and it's going to keep you from growth, growth in your Christian walk. And so again, if weeds grow by default, but healthy habits require intentionality, my question to you is, what compels you to growing this morning? What is the thing that you feel like, this is, this is it. This is the thing that compels me to grow. This is the thing that, that takes me over the edge to see my life grow, to see my life flourish, to see my life come to fruition, to, for my life to, to grow in the context of, of fellowship with others. What is the thing, as Ladea asked, why do you follow Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? What is the thing that compels us? For Christelle and myself, it's a holy discontent. It's a holy content, a discontent. We, Chris and myself, we, 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 we reflect on, the, on these words sung by, uh, by the song Hosanna in, in Hillsong, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. 
And for me, this is, this is really what is our holy discontent. We feel like we, we're unsatisfied with life. Yes, we have, we, have, we have jobs, we have a house, we have beautiful children. We've got all of these things in our lives. We've got all these materialistic satisfactions. We have, we have friendships. We have all of these things. But yet, both of us are still dissatisfied. We have a, a holy discontent in our lives. And, and it's to see others come to the knowledge of Christ. It's for others to be able to realize what it means to live their best life. For, for Christelle and myself, we feel like we can't do life unless we know that others are coming to the knowledge of Christ, others getting, becoming saved, others discovering what it means to, to follow Christ and all that Christ has in store for them. This is our holy discontent. We, this is the thing that compels us to grow. This is the things that allows us to, to not remain stagnant, but to put ourselves in an uncomfortable position many times and say, I can only grow when I'm uncomfortable, when I'm in a state where, hey, this pot is bigger, I need to fill it. I need to find myself in a new sunny spot. I need to make sure that I'm getting nutrients into my life. And so for me, this is so important aspect about our life around growth. This is why Chris and myself responded to the yes three years ago when Pastor Susan and Quinton came to our house, sat at the table and said, we'd like you to start a church in Lund. We're like, oh, okay. And, this, and we were like, yes, of course we should. This, this, is, this, was our, this was our holy discontent. We were like, there's more people that need to know about Christ. We need to place ourselves in a, in a, in a position where we need to grow. And, and, and by doing so, we said, yes, we want to see more people saved. There's a city in Lund. There's a, this city in Malmo. We, we're reaching a small portion of it. Um, so for me, this is something that, that you know, figuratively keeps me awake at night. I, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is something that burns passionately in my heart, as you can probably see. And know, many of you know me for many years. It is what compels me to follow Jesus. It is my tipping point. It's my edge. It's something that I feel like this is why I wake up in the mornings. Job is great. I love it. You know, I love my children. I love my wife. I love everything. But if it wasn't for that compelling, that intentionality from me and realizing that I've got a calling of my life, I wouldn't be a happy person. And so I want to ask you today, you know, what, what is it that is your, what is your holy discontent? What is your holy discontent? And as you, as you discover that and as you grow, your growth will spill over to others. Your, your growth will ignite uh, others' growth and, and encourage others and motivate and say, wow, that guy's growing or that girl's going, growing. And you see such a fantastic spiritual growth taking place in their lives. And I think that's, that's awesome. And, and, and this, is what, this, was, this is what will happen where personal growth will spill over into corporate growth and, and, your own, and, and all those around you and, and those in your connect group. And so sticking to this theme of, of growing, I came across this topic of um, companion planting, right? So those who've got green fingers, have you guys heard about companion gr- uh, planting? All right, so what it is, it's a practice of growing different plants together, right? So there's actually a term for that. And what happened, there's a, there's a complementation effect when different plants are growing together. So with one plant, another plant has a repelling effect for the other plant against insects, or it creates certain nutrients as well too for another plant to grow, or, or, it, or it creates a space so that the other plant can grow despite, in, in, depending on the ground that it's in. So this companion growing where there's different plants that are planted together 
is required in order for a higher sense of productivity coming from those plants. They grow much better. They flourish much better. The harvest is, is greater. I've, I've seen it I, 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 in South Africa. I, I studied at a university called Stellenbosch where there was, there was a lot of wi- uh, wineries and wines and vineyards. And at the, at the front end of, the, um, of each vineyard row, there'd be a huge big rose tree, all right? There'd be a huge rose tree. Because what happens is, is that in order for pollination to take place amongst the, the vineyard, the bees are attracted to this plant, to, this, to, this ro- to these roses. And by doing so, the, the little insects then transfer all the plant pollen amongst the, the vineyard so that they can grow and that they can flourish and that there's, there's grapes that can be produced. So there's a complementation that's taking place over here. And so combining these plants together has a, a greater effect where growth takes place. And, and I was reflecting on this. I was just thinking Christelle should probably plant her plant next to Eric's plant, right? I think that would be great. I think it would be great. I think her plant will you know, be disease-free, and, and, and she will, her plant will flourish. I, I said to her, this, this is a great combination. Here's a, here's a companion planting that can take place, Christelle. Plant your plant next to Eric's plant. And so, as Leia said, you know, our, our faith has never been designed to be private, right? Our faith has never been designed to be private. Our faith is meant to operate together, together as one living organism, right? So Paul says it so well in Romans 12, verses 5 to 6. So if you just turn with me to your Bibles over there for a moment, I think this is this great. This is probably the best illustration of what I've seen in the Bible when it talks about growing together. And so it speaks about where Paul said that the body of Christ is, is forms different, different parts, and that each, each part is unique excuse me, in its function, so we're the body of Christ, and each part operates in its unique function. So the body parts, our body, as you can see, is uh, there's a few doctors in the house. Um, we have Roel, we have Frederick, Altagracia, might be missing a few uh, others, but you guys can probably agree with me, right? So the body has different parts, and I don't think you need to be a doctor to see that, but each part has a certain function that it plays, right? So the heart... What the heart does is that it transports oxygenated blood throughout the different body, that all the cells in the body get oxygen in order for those cells to survive, to grow, to recover, based on whatever you subject your body to, right? So there's a couple of folks, Joe, you know, he, he burns and tears muscle, you know, each day in the gym, right? So that's why he looks so buff, right? So his body, there's blood, oxygenated blood that goes to each of those different parts of his body to make sure that he looks so buff, right? And that, that's, how, that's, how, that's how it works. And so each part of our body has a certain function. Each part of our body has a certain function. And, uh, and so, you know, we, you know each, we cannot you know, call ourselves Christians uh, if, if, we, if we consider our faith, to be private, as Lydia said. I feel like this is part two of your message. Um, so, but I think this is, this is it. You know, we can't call ourselves Christians if we exercise our faith in private. So Paul says it, the body of Christ needs each other to be able to function in order to be able to grow together, in able to recover together, in able to operate in our normal, on our, daily, our daily operation. And I think this is so beautiful about the, the body representation in that our faith is never meant to be private. It's meant to operate together. And so what happens is that we grow together. We grow together. 
And so Jesus is, is really the ultimate example of this. And so he found himself in community where he placed a number of his disciples uh, in, in accountability, where he was able to demonstrate love and be loved, and also where there was real and authentic friendships that were fostered. And I think that is the same and goes true for this church as well too. I think we need to be in a place of community where we can have authentic, real friendships that can be fostered. I think, I think it's so important, you know, just looking at the friendships in, in my life has been such a key area for my growth. If it wasn't for my friends, I wouldn't be the man that I am here standing before you today. I think that is so important. And Jesus, again, was the ultimate example. So besides the days that he, that he was alone by himself before the start of his ministry, he was always in companionship with his disciples, his friends, and his family. He modeled that really, really well. In three years, he spent all that time with his disciples, encouraging them, helping them understand that, guys, this is something that you don't do by yourself. This is nothing that you need to do by yourself. I am showing you what it means to take the gospel further, to take the gospel further. And so Jesus gave me feedback throughout the journey that they were doing together for three years. Uh, he, he helped them understand that their thinking and that their actions sometimes wasn't okay or that it was okay. Now, he walked that journey with them and he gave them that feedback. And so the disciples grew. They expanded in their maturity. They expanded in their thoughts and they understood kingdom principle. They understand kingdom principle. And so I believe that growth happens in the context of discipleship. Growth happens in the context of discipleship. So we, the, the discipleship program that we have in this church, right, so it doesn't have a title, it doesn't have a, a curriculum, it doesn't have an agenda, it's called serving, right? Serving in a team, that's our discipleship program. You say, well, Matthew, that's kind of simple. Yes, it is. <laughs> and this morning, I had a discipleship moment with one of the leaders in this church, and it was great. Uh, and it was just so like, wow, thank you, Lord. This is, this is what it's all about. And so, I, you know, Pastor Quentin, uh, last Saturday, uh, we had uh, all the connect group leaders gathered over here in the, in the hall in the morning. We had a brunch, and we're doing this once a month uh, to become equipped and to be able to make sure that we are leading uh, and leading well. And so Pastor Quinton brought over this, this concept of what it means to be a leader, what to look out for in leaders, and what to look out in, in persons that want to serve in a team, all right? So he spoke about fat people. Now, before you get offended, please, it's an acronym, F-A-T, so you guys can bring up that, uh, that slide. So it stands for faithful, available, and teachable, all right? So that's, that's ultimately the formula needed in order for you to grow, right, in the context of discipleship and serving. So when we talk about faithfulness, we talk about person who's there every time. You know, whenever there's a, uh, there's a need for, for, uh, for a person to, to be uh, ready to serve, for anyone to be able to be at a place of humility, so this is it. It's faithful, available, and teachable. These are the characteristics. Um, you know, for me, like Ben. Ben this morning is such a he's such a, a incredible servant of the Lord. You know, I phoned him this morning, say, Ben, can you step in? We needed you to help out with something. He's like, Yeah, mate, no problem. So I was like, That was that. It's awesome. He just he was just like so willing to step in in something, and I think that 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 to me is someone who's faithful, available, and teachable, and there was a heart and a receptiveness to be able to be a part of this church and serving in a greater capacity. I, I would say that part of my growth journey in this church of the last 12 years 
has, beca- has been because I've been serving in teams. I've been serving in the, uh, the band. Yes, I have been on the stage. Actually, like, there was no one else in church. Pastor Susan came to me. She auditioned me. I remember we were in Kalender Garten about 11 years ago. And she's like, can you sing this song? And she's like, yeah, that will do. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So the, literally, they were scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, when they asked me to serve uh, by singing in the band. But no, so all jokes aside, no, but so I've, I've been serving in the band. I've been doing uh, media. I've been doing sound. I was on the kids' ministry. I've been in the welcome team. I've been in the setup team. I've been service leading and preaching, of course. There's just one team, Stina. I haven't been in the FICA team. You know, I, I've never been asked. I make the most amazing bread, I tell you. So, no, so, it's, it's, so again, my, my biggest growth has happened in the context of serving. So who you see standing here before you today, and I'm not saying I'm anything special, but some of you guys know my journey, know my life, but who you see today is because I've been in a serving capacity all my life, and I've been in a place of discipleship in those, those, those places. Have I been frustrated? Yes. Have I had to deal with my attitude? Of course I've had to. But in that, growing together, in those times when I've been able to be in a place of serving, and I've realized, oh, you know, I've got to get my attitude straight. The Lord has used those situations to grow me. I've grown so much because of those situations that I've been in. I haven't thrown in the white towel. I've said, okay, let's, let's, let's go. Let's, how do we fix this? How do we do this? How do we make this a reality and go forward? How do we go forward? This passage says it so well. In Proverbs 27, verses 17, it says that iron sharpens iron, and so a friend sharpens a friend. All right, so what does this mean? This is a little bit, you feel like, okay, how does this, how does this fit in? I don't know if any of you have seen, um, besides the IKEA sharpener that you get, you know, you, I think my mother has asked for an IKEA sharpener every time. I need to bring one over. I don't know why. They seem to do a good job. But there's another way of sharpening knives. Uh, it's against an iron rod, and you sharpen it. So those who've seen it in movies or fancy restaurants or butcher, so much so that happens, the knife becomes so sharp, it cuts through meat like a hot knife. Through butter, it becomes so sharp. And so Jesus demonstrated, uh, he demonstrated to us, to us through when he spent time with his disciples, and he modeled this piece of scripture really well. Guys, I haven't given it to the, um, to the media team, so uh, bear with me. He asked this question, who do you say I am? In Matthew 16, verses 15 to 19. Who do you say I am? And so Simon Peter answers. He says, Lord, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied to him, said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you ever loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I personally think that this piece of affirmation speaking over Peter's life was the tipping point for him. It was the point that compelled him to realize, I've got a job to do. It wasn't for Peter's obedience and, you know, when the cloth came down and different animals inside and the voice said to him, eat Peter. And he said, no, but I can't eat unclean things. This is, that, that, that whole vision was a tipping point for you and I as Gentiles, non-Jews, for us to be able to be exposed to the world. And so because of his obedience, because, because of this conviction that he felt to grow 
and expand the word, you and I have this wonderful opportunity to grow as well too in God. And I would say, you know, again, my biggest growth has happened within the context of friendships. Now, if it wasn't for Pastor Quinton and Justin, many others in this church, many friends giving me feedback and, and helping me and helping me grow and helping me realize what my blind spots are and what my shortcomings are. Not that there's many, but, you know, so, but if it wasn't for them, they came and showed me these areas where, hey, Matthew, I mean, what's up? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. These are the things, you know, a friend, a friend like Pastor Quinton and many others coming and speaking to me and coming with a word of love to me and saying, you know, and, and they, did it, they do it in love. You know, Pastor Quinton and Susan are probably the most gracious persons I know in this area, so loving, so caring. And so as I wrap up, I just want to invite the band, Bobby, on stage. <laughs> it's really awesome. Um, so again, growth doesn't happen by accident. There has to be a sense of intentionality. What is the thing that compels you? Again, I come to that question and that day. It was such a good question. Why do we follow Jesus? Why do we find people serving in the house of the Lord with their efforts, with their time, with their finances, to make what you see over here a reality and also that you don't see reality. What, what is it that compels them? And so Paul, Paul was on the road uh, to Damascus. His name was Saul at that point. And he was, um, he was persecuting Christians at that time. He, he was on his way to Damascus on the road uh, towards Syria and a light appeared before him, and a voice, Christ's voice came, and he said, Paul, Paul, well, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And through a number of sequence of events, Paul basically converted. He became a Christ follower. There was a moment that happened that he realized, oh, hang on, I'm not following my true north. I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, I'm going south, man. And and he realized that there's, there's something in his life that's, that's missing. And that was Jesus. He was compelled to, and, and he's written a fair portion of the New Testament. And that, because of Paul's obedience, that point of compelling, that point of conviction, you and I are having transformed, chained lives. And you might be on a journey in your life right now where you... You, you might have had a, a Paul moment. Or it could be that you're still on a journey. And so my question is, you know, what has been your Damascus moment? If you haven't had that moment and, and you're not growing, it's probably because there's a lack of conviction. And so I want to give the opportunity to Ladea just at the end of the service to just remind people. I want to pray for you. For those of you who are struggling in this area where you feel like, Matthew, I haven't seen grown in my life, growth in my life. I've been a Christian for many years. I've given my heart to Christ, but I haven't really become a disciple. I haven't really seen growth take place in my life. I haven't really felt what it means to, to live a life that you're speaking about where I've seen a transformation take place. I want to pray with you afterwards, and I, there will be a few others as well too in the front praying for you. Because I really believe that Christ has got something installed for you today. And through this song we're going to be singing now, I just want you guys to stand up right now. And I want, I want, to, and I want it to be a, a benediction over you this morning. And that Christ loves you. 
He loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth for you. He loves you so much that He wants to see you grow. He wants, you to, he wants to see you flourish. He wants you to be like Eric's plant. He wants you to see you flourish. And so I want to encourage you. So as we just sing this song, as we sing this song, ask the Lord to reveal what it is that is your Damascus moment. And again, if that hasn't been, that might be today. Your Damascus moment might be here today at the end of the service when you pray with me. Is that all right? Great. Let's take a moment to pray. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you, Father, for your love and your peace over our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we know, Lord, as we plant ourselves, as we establish ourselves, as, as, we, as we look to you, Father, for water, for nutrients, knowing, Father, that you're the provider in this area. And I pray for ripe soil, Lord, in our hearts right now. I pray that people, Lord, right now in this place and online, that as they listen, as they hear, Father, that a conviction will fall upon them knowing that there has to be a reason why I follow Jesus. There has to be a reason why I do what I do, why I'm here today, why, I, why I'm compelled, why I'm compelled to do. I want to pray, Father, for this today, for your presence to be right now in our midst, Lord, as we praise and we sing to you. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Thank you.